Welcome to the TF Blockchain Podcast, where we interview blockchain, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency innovators actively building products and platforms in this emerging technology. I'm your host and founder of TF Blockchain, Jonathan G. Blanco. TF Blockchain hosts conferences and monthly events in cities across North America, with chapters in Seattle, Portland, Vancouver, Austin, and San Francisco. Our next conference, TF4, will be on November 14th in Seattle. For more information about our monthly chapter events, starting a chapter in your city, or our TF4 conference on November 14th, please visit us at tfblock.io. Wanted to let you know about our recently announced TF Labs, a blockchain and product strategy studio. At TF Labs, we are working with companies through corporate innovation to establish their blockchain product strategy and also building blockchain-focused startups internally. To get involved or for more information, please visit us at tflabs.io. Welcome TF Blockchain Vancouver. Thank you all for being here tonight. I'm Jonathan, uh, founder of TF Blockchain. I'm really excited to introduce our guest tonight, who is Derek Foote. Uh, the you. CEO of R Trade, please give him a round of applause. Thanks, guys. Nice, nice. Uh, Derek, you've been a big part of our TF Blockchain Vancouver community, uh, being there from the start. I'm uh, really thankful to what you've done to help us grow uh, our presence here and, and what you're doing here in the Vancouver uh, blockchain community. I'd love if you could introduce yourself real quick to everybody. Perfect. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, um, Derek Foote uh, founded R-Trade back in 2017. Um, so I got back into blockchain and crypto back in 2013. Um, ever since then, I've been doing everything from OTC to education, shifted over to mining. And now we put a team together and we do, we've been doing blockchain development for the past two years. Uh, we focus on peer-to-peer -peer technology such as IPFS. I don't know if too many people have heard of it. Raise your hand if you have. Oh, wow, that's yeah. awesome, yeah. It's a good room, yeah, but why don't you explain room. it for those that haven't heard of it? Okay, so let me figure out how to I'm gonna take put a this into a couple sentences. <laughs> so IPFS is a hypermedia protocol. It's one of the foundational layers for the distributed web, or I'm sure you guys have heard of Web3 kind of a collection of you know technologies hardware software infrastructure and what it is is a way to manage data better um, with the deduplication content addressing features and having true up integrity of data now which are the three like main components um, and it's kind of that scalability aspect blockchain has been asking for because everyone knows you know you can't put big data on the blockchain so this is a great solution. We have a lot of companies adopting it. Um, our technology is being used by companies like Chainlink. They just uh, partnered with Oracle and Google. Um, XDAO, they just won the hackathon in ETH New York 2019. Um, a handful of other great companies. I don't want to sit here and list. Um, so that kind of sums it up. Cool. Um, so, you, so you said, was it 2013 you said? Yeah, 2013, the glory and, days. And um, so I, I love your, your kind of your arc, right? So you, yeah. you know, building products, mining, uh, now you're doing it for other people too. And, and are you still building any of your own products or just more helping with other folks? Yeah, so um, in the blockchain also, I call our trade is our 
technologies company. I like to call it, you know, um, the company where we just kind of do cool shit. Yeah. Because out of that, we have products and we have a consulting arm. Um, so, for example, a consulting arm. What we're doing right now for our, a company out in Washington, D.C., um, is building a supply chain for the gem and mineral industry uh, to prove true transparency from the mouth of the mine all the way to the consumer. Very uh, cool. We're using technologies like IoT, biometrics, IPFS to actually, you know, have this on the blockchain, make it true all the way to the user. Um, so that's a great use case and um, a great project we, we've took a great initiative in. And also it kind of shares our vision of transparency, value to the customers, people having control of their data and things like that. Um, and I guess product-wise, a big focus for us is temporal. Uh, so what it is is an enterprise IPFS platform. Uh, we saw the need back in 2017 of there's going to be scalability issues with the blockchain. Um, so we really wanted to hone in on, hey, what's making the internet better? What's you know helping people get control back of their data, using their data better? Um, this whole philosophy of you know the new era of the internet. And Temporal is uh, a big part of that movement. And we're helping users and companies uh, implement these solutions easily. Um, we have a host of APIs a host of SDKs for people and users to get their feet wet, Golang, Java libraries, you name it. Um, and you know, if anyone is interested in that, um, we can talk about that more after. I don't want to sit here and plug too long. For sure. Cool. Um, so I like talking about mining because I think it's super fascinating. Let's talk about mining for a second. Mining? Yeah. Mining's, mining's fun. Yeah, so you, so you were doing mining for a little bit, you said. Are you still doing any mining? Yeah, um, so after kind of doing a lot of OTC trading um, and things like that, um, we found a facility and we started doing GPU mining. Yeah. I didn't want to go for ASICs um, because you it was changing. To... I didn't want to be backdoored by Bitman. The yeah, be dependent and on. Exactly. And then you have a box, you know, the next version, now your version's junk, now you got to spend another X amount. It's, yeah. GPUs, the resale value, all that good things that come with them. Um, and you can just mine a host of coins. So back in the day, um, in 2016, 2017, we were you know, mining Ethereum, Zcash, Monero. Uh, we would write scripts for you know, what's having the best hash rate, how we can switch over our miners. Um, and then we kind of developed a more, some co-location um, for people, renting out hashing power, things like that. And then we realize, hey, with GPUs, you know, we can actually utilize this power for you know, software development, data crunching, and things like that moving forward. So that's how we kind of shifted from mining into, wait a minute, we got all this awesome power. Um, we do blockchain development. Why don't we you know, start shifting our focus more to software? You know? Nice. Um, have, helping people kind of implement these solutions and you know, spreading our vision as well. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. Just uh, from the trajectory standpoint, you know, a lot of people fail to realize just how important the mining is, right? Without yeah. mining, you don't have blockchain, <laughs> you don't have Bitcoin. So it's the most important piece of, uh, of this whole uh, puzzle here. So I always tell people like, you know, that that's something that you have to at least get a, a relative grasp on to, to be, oh, you know, competent in, in this, um, you know, to take it to current events. Um, did you, I'm assuming you heard about the Blockstream announcement that they did where they um, they're mining for like fidelity and um, uh, what's his name um, rich the guy from LinkedIn what's his name Reed Hoffman, Reed Hoffman. Reed Hoffman. man 
I like really like Reed Hoffman too, and here I am butchering his name. I'm just <laughs> having trouble thing, with right? yeah, I'm having trouble with names today. We all have our names. Um, so, anyways, yeah, Blockstream, and they just announced this maybe like two or three weeks ago, where they're doing some massive mining for Fidelity, uh, and then also Reed Hoffman uh, in Georgia, I think, is where it is. Uh, but what's really interesting to me about that is, um, you know, going back to this whole topic that we were just saying a second ago, it's like really important to understand the mining piece. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to start seeing financial companies, financial institutions mining um, and to one own inventory two for liquidity um, and being able to kind of be uh, call it vertically integrated in, in what they're doing. I'm curious what your, your kind of thoughts are on those sort of things. Yeah, I have a, a lot of friends and companies that do major mining facilities, you know, whether it's on, you know, uh, most of them like Washington, D.C. or um, areas up north where they can get cheap power, kind of solar power. Um, I'm not a big fan of mining, to be honest. I, oh, yeah. I, I love the innovative proof of stakes, the proof of space time, the proof of capacity. I mean, there's a tons of great consensus algorithms and stuff coming out. I mean, there's no perfect one right now. I, yeah. I agree, mining is, right now, it's crucial. I do yeah. agree. It's kind of one of the golden you know, rules. But you know, just moving forward, I see a shift in it, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, you know, how did you even get into blockchain to begin with, cryptocurrency? What drove your interest into the space? Um, and by the way, can everybody hear us okay? Yeah. No? Perfect. So, a long time ago, my friend, you know, um, introduced me to this Bitcoin thing. You know, before that, um, when I would travel, you know, you go to Asia, Europe, wherever, um, outside Canada, they're kind of cashless apps, uh, you have WeChat pays, you have whatever, right? So, you know, he, he explained it to me from like a high level. Um, and I thought, wow, you know, that's pretty awesome. Um, innovative technology, you know, it's helped bring that trust element that has been missing for like the longest time online. Um, yeah. Well, I just, you know, really kind of fell down the rabbit hole. I was like, wow, he kind of explained it to me in a way that opened my eyes. And then I just, you know, started learning more about it. He's like, yeah, um, read up about it. And you know, the more you read up about it, the more you fall down the hole, the more you just keep getting into it. And then, you know, I just saw it as a great opportunity. Um, so I started educating, you know, I had a local community of people in Vancouver where you could come to talk about crypto trading, mining, what have you. And, um, when I was doing more OTC stuff, I would actually meet up with people and they would have questions. Um, so, uh, I started, you know, spending an hour or two, uh, with my clients I did OTC with to kind of explain, hey, do you want to focus on security? Do you want to focus on trading? Do you want to focus on how to store this? You'd go up to people back in the day and they're like, a wallet, what's a wallet? I just want some Bitcoin. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, well, you're going to have to be careful. And I'm like, wow, like people really need to understand, hey, if you want control of your money, there's going to be responsibilities and risks. And a lot of people don't get that still. I mean, there's a long way to go. Yeah. I think, you know, private keys, this and that. Like there's a, there's a lot that you know, I felt needed to be educated and kind of that's how I went down that road for a while. Yeah, very cool. Um, so you know, we're t- gonna talk a little bit about FinTech and, and oh, yes. DeFi and that sort of DeFi. thing. DeFi. Yeah, what, what are your <laughs> thoughts on, you know, when you hear FinTech and DeFi, what comes to your mind? Tons of stuff, <laughs> just a lot. <laughs> um, financial technology, FinTech I love. I love the idea of FinTech. Um, 
I love the innovating things that are going to be happening, not just blockchain, smart contracts, moving forward, there's huge potential in financial technology. And, you know, um, there's a kind of a lot of people coming into the space, well, I expect, I accept crypto now on my website, I'm, I'm in fintech, right? There's kind of a lot of that yeah. going on to kind of catch the wave. But I, I do believe, you know, crypto is part of fintech because financial technology, but you also have to have the, you know, a lot of people need that innovation of the financial technology. I think that's a huge part of fintech. Yeah. Um, now, DeFi, on the other hand, whew, that's, a, that's a big black paradox box right there. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't really understand uh, the concept of decentralization in, within the technology, okay? So they think, okay, we, we have an exchange. We're a decentralized exchange. We're a decentralized DeFi company. Well, you know, where's that one Oracle? Yeah. Where's that, you know? Um, Who has the back that, door? Yeah, where, where's that back door? Where's that, um, where's your, all your data going? It's on a centralized server, probably up in the cloud. Yeah. How is that decentralized? Right. There's definitely a lot of misuse of the term DeFi right now. Huge. Right? Um, DeFi is just coming around this, this word of decentralization and there's, well, okay, now ask yourself, how decentralized is your platform or this DeFi technology that you're claiming? Can you actually break this down? Have you done your security audits? Can you prove to me you don't have control of this? Where's the zero knowledge proof? Yeah. Um, a lot of people just think, um, you know, yeah, decentralized, they kind of mix in the two, totally. FinTech and DeFi. Yeah, you know, there's kind of like this, these amalgamation of terms that you start here. I mean, you can say the same thing for blockchain, right? Like TFI. M most things are um, not necessarily blockchain, but they're blockchain-like, yeah. you know? And so maybe it's not like things are necessarily DeFi, but they're DeFi-like or done in that vein. Uh, but there, there's, you know, you know, for example, there can be, you can have, um, you know, a, a currency like, say, Filecoin. They have a zero knowledge proof. They've proved, hey, we don't have control of this coin. It's, it's truly decentralized. Um, things like that. Now, okay, there's things like um, what we work with, IPFS. Well, yeah, you can now take your data, your big data, and you can chunk it up, and you can throw it on all different nodes all over the IPFS network, and you can really decentralize your data. Um, so. You know, a lot of companies misuse the word DeFi um, just to kind of, you know, hop on the train moving forward or what yeah. have you. Um, you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's a space, I kind of see it as being like an ICO space. So there's going to be a lot of things. There's going to be a, a big downfall with DeFi, I think. There's going to be a hack. There's going to be a bug in a smart contract. There's going to be a, a hack in an Oracle or, you know, then, you know, things will, might take off. Then banks are going to be like, wait, wait, wait decentralized financing no 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 Let, let's kick in some regulation here let's start fighting back i kind of see that you know same thing happened with icos now you need security audits now security tokens sec um, yeah. that's just the way i see it going yeah is, is everybody familiar with zelle have has anybody used zelle z-e-l-l-e -L -L -E, i think it's how it's spelled it's like so how you can ex uh, accept payments through your bank do they have that in canada no probably not probably not okay so in the u.s um, so quick little story. So, um, you know, we all have family, right? And so it's one of those things where, you know, you can argue with your family member, you can call your family member a name, but if someone else calls your family <laughs> member a name, right, you're not going to let that happen. 
So banks kind of did the same thing. So everybody's familiar with Venmo, of course, right? And the different payment tools like that. Um, so, if, so Zelle is a payment network that was created by um, different banks. So the, the major banks in the US came together. They created the Zelle payment network for an easy peer-to-peer -peer exchange of payments, um, kind of like a Venmo that you can do through your bank. Um, and so the reason I bring that up is because, you know, rather than get taken over or lose market share, you know, to a, a Venmo type scenario, PayPal scenario is like, hey, well, let's band together and create Zelle. So that way we can at least have, you know, a dog in this fight. And, you know, you're talking about that from the, the DeFi standpoint, as I, I kind of see that happening as well, right? You know, you have your JP Morgan Chase creating their own token. Um, they have their own uh, blockchain in the, in the quorum. Again, you could say these are maybe not fully decentralized, but they're yeah. blockchain-like. But it, it's all about, at the end of the day, it's like getting things that are ready for their ecosystem and, and utilizing yeah, that. No, I totally agree. And there's, there's, there's also degrees of decentralization and what people think. There's no one answer. There's kind yeah. of like left this, right this. Um, a lot of great stuff happening in the space, too, like uh, uh, with Ethereum and the idea of DeFi ICOs, which, you know, if your money doesn't go to good use or there's bad actors, you get it back and things like that. Uh, there's still a lot of things um, there they need to kind of hammer out, but you know the whole overall concept is very cool. For sure. Um, have you heard about that? The DeFi ICOs out of Ethereum? No. Yeah. It's very technical. I don't want to get into that, but yeah, it's definitely something worth looking into. It's a cool, it's a very cool concept. Um, you know, hopefully the idea and the vision of it comes true because it kind of collaborates with the whole Ethereum transparency and getting rid of the junk in the ICO space, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah, I think there's been some interesting things going on from a DeFi standpoint, from a, um, a funding lending scenario like BlockFi. Yeah. Um, is anybody here familiar with BlockFi by chance? So uh, BlockFi is a lending solution um, to, for crypto, for Bitcoin. So you can deposit your Bitcoin um, in there uh, and you can get a return of, I think like, I don't know, six to 8% uh, on your, um, on your Bitcoin. Um, but though that's, you know, kind of interesting, what I think becomes really interesting, which is likely like the next evolution is where you start, you know, having robust lending products that are crypto driven, right? Blockchain driven, like oh, mortgages totally. or, um, and you have some like BlockFi doing a loan in Bitcoin or, yeah, or so forth. Yeah, um, I actually use some of those services. I actually just started recently using uh, Compound. Uh, you know, we took some of our mining profits every so often when Ethereum moons or, you know, we think, hey, you know, 250, it'll probably, you know, go down a bit. Let's switch it over to some TUSD, throw it in a uh, stable coin. Uh, what do we use? Uh, we use DAI and we threw it in uh, Compound. You know, 15, anywhere from like 8 to 15%. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, you, I, yeah, it's interesting, right? I wonder, you know, so the way lenders work is they lend at a percentage because they mm -hmm. believe that they can work and that money and get even more out of it, right? Um, that's your basic kind of lending model as a yeah. bank. Uh, I'm really curious how you get more than 15% on a crypto product, you know, and reusing that, right? So I don't know if it's just, I, I don't know how that works. I don't, I don't know how those economics work, but I'd, I'd love if, do you know anything about that? Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're just betting on 
you know, ho- just holding and, and, you know. Yeah, a lot of them do bet on just holding. But, yeah. you know, now with the stable coins, they blend it out at a ridiculous rate. You can leverage your stable coin to people and borrow it and make your ARP or what have you on it. Um, it's awesome. But um, a lot of people I know in the space do bet on their crypto going up. Or yeah. Bitcoin going up. I do think it's funny how, um, you know, we've been in this cycle for the last, call it two months, where it's gone just below 10, just above 10. Um, Every time it goes below 10, you know, you hear the people on crypto Twitter saying like, it's at a discount, buy now, and then it gets to to like 11. And it's like, all right, it's mooning, and then it goes back down to nine Mental again. Mental 10k yeah, line. It goes it's below like, yeah. 10k. It's like you'll never get this cheap again. It, it was a sea so. of green today in the morning. So everything was up. I haven't uh, looked at my block portfolio and seen all green in about like I don't even know how long. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I'm. You know, what I always say on those things is like I, I don't care if the price is nine thousand today or thirteen thousand tomorrow. Look at the happening um, happening too soon. Yeah, I, I'm in it more for you know, all continuously steady buy regardless of the price because i'm in it for the long run um you know i remember was it like five years ago amazon stock was like at three or four hundred dollars and i was like that's way too much right and obviously they were talking about totally different industries and different things but um you know it's it's what i just find fascinating so much about uh this space overall is that if you go outside of this room and if you go outside of you know crypto Twitter and you talk to the average person and you talk about cryptocurrency or Bitcoin, most people have no idea what you're talking about or know very little, right? So to have the type of um, demand and increasing demand that we're getting um, at the level that it's at, you know, what happens when a major banking institution starts to like really take hold of it or you know I'm, I'm continuously fascinated by Facebook um, you know whether it's good or bad for society or for the human race is a totally different um, you know question there but like the fact that someone thinks that or that someone an entity believes that they have that type of um, right to do mm-hmm. so I think is just a really interesting way of thinking um, because and actually, it was talking about this a while ago when Libra first came out. I was like, they're going to have trouble because of banks, not not just the banks, but like the government not wanting to give control. Um, I actually have a point of view that the um, the claim that a cryptocurrency is to help serve the underbank is, I don't know, call it over-exaggerated or oversimplified. Um, and the reason why I say that is because... Um, that's not the reason why likely a Facebook would create a cryptocurrency is to is to help the underbank, right? It's it's no. more for helping their own self-interest. And when you think about a country like Venezuela, so my family's from Venezuela. Um, I spent a lot of time in Venezuela, and you hear things like, "Oh, well, people in Venezuela could use Libra or use this type of currency." There's like this, there's this problem there, right? So in Venezuela the um, average salary or the average living, the average wage for someone is $10 a month, right? So, um, and then you get a lot of government subsidies. So if you give someone $10 worth of cryptocurrency, it doesn't matter, they need to use that immediately, right? Like whatever, whatever medium of exchange you give these people, they need to use it immediately. 
That's for 75 to 80% of the population. They did the petrodollar thing too? Was that the whole They did do the petro, but that was basically a cash okay. grab. money. Scam. Yeah, it was a scam, yeah. yeah. But, you know, so if you are like, if you are in the poverty section of a developing nation, chances are you're, you have to move this currency quickly. Now, if you are middle income or above, where you have the capacity to save, of course, cryptocurrency is an, a, a great option for you, right? Yeah. Because you have that ability to save um, and you don't need to spend everything that comes in uh, right away. But the other thing is that when you think about how governments work, it is in the government's best interest to be in control, not, not in like a, a you know iron fist way, but it's in the best interest of a government to be the controller or the um, the authority in its own nation, right? So giving up financial control and um, having your dollar or your currency not have value in your own economy, it does it, that that doesn't make sense. No, no government would allow that. Definitely not. And you know, it comes down to. I like to think of fintech also as more niche banking services, so to yeah. speak. Um, you know, the legacy banks, they're going to take so long to switch these systems over to get involved. Every, they've been researching it since blockchain came out. They know what they're doing. They're just finding the best way to implement it, the safest way, how they can make the most money. Now that we have all the niche bank uh, you know, companies popping up, it's, comes down to at the very core I think it comes down to you know just the sheer data and the volume you, uh, of that you can have so for example uh, when um, earlier this year we went to uh, Dubai to actually uh, we went to the Federal Reserve UAE and Abu Dhabi to actually um, you know pitch we were one of the we we're the technology team that was uh, building the infrastructure for this digital banking ecosystem because out there they don't give out licenses anymore to banks they want to get rid of that Huh. Um, they have a great initiative, Smart City, out there. Um, so what it was is, you know, you, you have to build, and a lot of people don't understand, like, you need the proper infrastructure to run these banks, the, these, you know, anything to do with handling data and whatnot, because they, they can actually take that data now and they can say, they can niche it down. Uh, and as we move forward, you'll start seeing this. Hey, you know, lending platforms, everything's on a smart contract, shipping it out. Okay, well, all our customers want this, um, you know. Um, they can actually target better, hone in, um, and that's the biggest thing with, I, I, because you mentioned Libra, right? So that's why it, that actually brought me back to that point that I missed, you know. Uh, it's a data-hungry economy. Like, that data to companies is worth more than money, they, you know? It's, yeah. what, how can we target these people better? How can we sell them our loans better? How can we find out who's rich or who's poor and kick these people out and keep these people on our platform? Uh, it, it, it's all about that to me, actually, too, in the end of it, really. Yeah, that's ultimately what got me, you know, really uh, bullish on blockchain to begin with, was this concept of um, being able to monetize uh, and participate in the monetization of data that you own, yes. right? Being your own personal data. Exactly. Um, yeah, I find that incredibly fascinating because I have a hypothesis that most of us are firmly aware that our data is already out there right <laughs> and that like it's being monetized um, at least most of us in this room have that a lot of people might, might not think that um, at, a, at a global context but the issues for most people is like hey my information has been hacked this many times 
or you know I got nothing I, to hide I got, yeah, yeah, right yeah. or there's these sort of things but you know when you start yeah. giving people the option to participate I think that becomes a really interesting narrative and I, I'm really interested to see how people respond to that you know for me I would I would opt in to something like that is okay cool you already have this anyway and you already monetize it anyway if you if you want to allow me to participate kind of like brave yeah. right like brave yeah, where you back, you know you yeah. get shown ads and and so forth in in the browser um, and it's a, it's a great thing for the people that do really care about data whether it's a user or a company like great things are coming in this kind of peer-to-peer -peer ecosystem like we are seeing that shift of hey holy shit we can take you know this much control back like that's an amazing thing yeah like you can we can get away from the Googles or the data hungry monopoly companies that are holding back you know AI research because you know they're monopolizing uh, data so just seeing how the ecosystem has kind of evolved into the next generation it's it's amazing like seeing the passion and the vision of people in the blockchain space and finding out you know what can we do next you know kind of what can we disrupt a little bit more and keep moving and moving yeah, yeah and it, it goes the same way though for companies too they, they can also you know be a bit more transparent of course you know they might not want to but they're gonna have to be sooner or later yeah um, they can actually you know use this technology as well to kind of make things more efficient within their ecosystem reach out to more people uh, yeah what's the what's the coolest awesomest best neatest thing most neato thing that you saw uh, that you've seen uh, as a blockchain use case, and what's the worst? What's the worst first? The worst. The worst. Oh God, there's so many of the worst. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you. A, I'll there's give a you, lot. I'll give you the worst for me. Um, so there is this there. Recent, and this is actually recently within the last couple of months I saw this was someone building out a blockchain for um, the uh, the funeral home business and so what you would do is you would purchase tokens from a funeral home so that your family could use those tokens to uh, pay for your funeral services that was, hmm. that was pretty awful um, the worst use cases to me, well, being back in the space for so long, like I, I saw so many scams, like left and right, like give us your Bitcoin, we'll give you X amount, or these crazy ideas of, you know, our coin is backed by this, you know, magical plot of gold we have, invest in us, or yeah. give you 60% return a year on your money, just like the most obvious, yeah, yeah. crappiest things, but like so many people fell for it, I'm like, oh my God, I'm like... That's why I had such a passion back in the day for educating, because I just saw so many people like, oh, look at this, I'm gonna get 18% back on my Bitcoin every day. It's like, no, you're not. You're, you're throwing that into someone else's wallet. You immediately lose control. And you know, um, um, the best use case, I would say recently, um, Walmart putting their lettuce, their groceries on the blockchain. Um, they've been super innovative in technology. Like a lot of yeah. people don't know, like Walmart, like back in the day, you know, how'd they get so, big and famous and rich, right? Well, technology, they invested in this satellite technology, millions, millions of dollars back in the day. Like, oh, everyone called them crazy. They're like, you're nuts. You guys are going to go bankrupt. Why are you dumping so much money in this technology? And so they cut X amount of seconds off transactions. So they were actually ab able, able <laughs> to handle, um, what was it? Like over 500,000 more customers per store per year than any other Wow. Uh, uh, chain and they just grew from there and technology was just always been a staple for them and it's great that they kind of 
took the initiative to kind of be the first great use case um, with the supply chain in the groceries, saving, I forget, like millions of dollars a year just by putting, you know, blockchain on the groceries, well, that, cutting overhead, and what have you. They're making it a requirement that their vendors have to use the blockchain for, um, at least on the lettuce yeah, side yeah, of things. Yeah, for checking the, it, that's um, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now, now, you know, because we're doing a supply chain project too, I see that. I, I see like these great use cases coming out, um, you know, just transparency, hey, Let's track this lettuce back. Let's see, is it GMO? Did it get sprayed with crap? You know, obviously, you know, people have to enter the data and whatnot. There's still a level of responsibility, but you know, we can actually start seeing these things and start knowing where things are from instead of okay, well, you know, it says it's not sprayed by this on the bag, so it must be true. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, well, I love to open it up to questions, and uh, since we're recording, I'll, I'll likely repeat the question uh, so that way we can get it for the audio. Does anybody have a question they want to ask? Yes. Do you think data sovereignty matters? Like countries owning their citizens' data or controlling it? 100%. <laughs> countries just love let, let me ask that question, sorry. Do you think that data sovereignty matters? <laughs> question from the audience. Yes, I do, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, um, totally. Countries just love control. They just, you know, they might be transparent about it or they might not be. Um, companies just can't get enough data. They, they just want to analyze their people, track their people better, learn their habits, you know, their, their back doors and everywhere. The, the thing with Cisco uh, in the States, you know, Twitter and what they did with the black box. You look at like so many use cases of what governments, the, the length a government will go. And you probably don't even know half of them because they don't want you to know half of them, but um, they'll never give that up. I, I don't think. They just. Can I ask for part B? No. Of course. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Part two. Uh, how do you think Canada's doing on the global data sovereignty um, Good question. How, how do you think Canada's doing with data sovereignty? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, How do you think they're doing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we have a lot of room to improve, and I think we're at a critical time where if we don't put some, you know, you're a Canadian and we own your data, we're going to protect it, we're going to lose it to the U.S. or China or Russia. Um, yeah, that's true. I never really think about... Um, it's a segue into our yeah yeah correct yeah i never you know i travel a lot um states europe and the asia's um it, it's just there's a lot of innovation happening i love canada i love it um it's just yeah i i agree i'm like funny enough uh, back in the day i found out uh well i just found a website by the government of canada uh beta project they were put their website on ipfs <laughs> funny enough i was like wow i'm like this is coming a long way i'm like um but yeah no, no you you do make a good point i mean i think canada's you know a lot of our talent gets scouted overseas we don't really think about technology um i, I do agree there's a lot of room for improvement like in every sector whether it's medical health health care uh you know insurance you name it i just education there's just so much that can be done yeah yeah definitely mm -hmm. who else has a question in your company's experience with engaging 
Um, usually smaller to medium enterprises, startups. Uh, we have, you know, been consulting for a couple bigger enterprises, um, but the majority is the faster ones and the quicker ones to adopt are always going to be the small to mediums. The ones, you know, they don't have that big barrier to entry because they don't already have this huge system in place or, you know, regulation hurdles or what have you. Um, um, they're more, tend to be more innovative. Um, like I said, companies can take tens, 20 years to implement blockchain for big banks or big huge legacy systems like they're just not gonna hey okay cool you guys come on board and let's do some blockchain stuff it's, they'll research it and you know we have been part of that research for um, some top tier uh, enterprises but no nah, the majority for sure uh, yeah. startups to you know medium sized companies how about in terms of sectors uh, sorry uh, how about in terms of I think gaming was huge. I think gaming first. Um, now we're seeing a shift to more supply chain, financial technologies, definitely, like niche financial technologies. Um, you know, I would like to see it more in medical and government and healthcare and things like that, because I think it could just do a lot of good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but besides that, yeah, I would say gaming, supply chain, and financial technology for sure. Um. Who in Canada is really standing out in the blockchain scene? Um, one that comes to mind was uh, Dapper Labs. I met uh, Caddy back in Web3. We talked a bit about NFTs and stuff like that. Um, they're actually, their office is not too far from where we live. Um, they're doing so, it. They actually just announced a blockchain. Yeah, um, no, because they did CryptoKitties, but a lot of people didn't understand behind that was an experiment with NFT tokens and what have you. And, you know, just recently, um, you know, they uh, just partnered with that NBA and somebody else to kind yeah. of do like collectibles on the blockchain, um, you know. Um, so they definitely stand out as of recently. Uh, it's always changing, right? There's always, um, there's a lot of great space, um, a lot of innovative projects in Vancouver. Um, but like just recently, they definitely stand out because of um, the couple of partnerships they have. Yeah, no, I, I find them super fascinating. I'm a huge fan of NFTs. Um, okay. I'm really excited for the use cases that are not gaming related, right? Like when yeah. you start thinking about things, I think the gaming related um, uh, use cases are very interesting, of course, but when you start thinking about how um, NFTs can play a factor with identity, for example, or um, yeah. yeah, just just like tokenization of yourself, that exactly. Really interesting. No, that's that that's funny because uh, we actually did a uh, when I took um, I like to take courses online and kind of read as much as I can on the technology. So I took uh, uh, the Oxford Blockchain Program course um, to kind of get a feel of what other people were doing and how they were kind of teaching this technology to people. Um, it turned out to be a pretty um, uh, great course. Uh, met some great people through it. But actually, the project we did as a group was um, you know validating. Uh, insurance on the blockchain and you yeah. know so um, a lot of people in my group were more business oriented and things like that so um, uh, for the technology part I'm like why don't you know um, you know companies put QR codes on the car during manufacturing instead of the VIN hey attach an NFT inside that car um, you know this car belongs to this token yeah um, and you can essentially just make a car a smart contract like now you talk about IOT and sensors now you talk about the insurance company 
you don't need to do all this paperwork. You roll up, you know, scan your car, you leave, you got all your insurance. Hey, even if you get hit, there's a smart contract that enables IoT sensors in your car. I got hit like this, there's proof of it. There's no need to go through this long process of ICBC and all this stuff, right. um, video, what have you. And then, you know, right away it might interact with the insurance company and boom, you get paid out right away. Or your car gets paid out right away. They found out whose fault it was. Happens in a matter of, you know, uh, no time at all compared to the way the systems are now. Now you're cutting down paper. Now you're cutting down people and overhead. Um, it's just, you know. Yeah, you're just, you know, going back to trusting the machines, you know, yeah. automation, uh, trusting a computer to record, not a person. Yeah, one thing I say often and, you know, uh, I could be wrong, but, yeah, I think that we're, we're, we're kind of building for and thinking of and utilizing or, or using use cases for the blockchain that doesn't necessarily exist yet. You know what I mean? And so um, I'm excited for when that day comes. Um, I, I've, my position on like which chains or whatever I thought were mm -hmm. gonna be interesting has, has changed considerably. Right. I've become more of, I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist by any means, but I've definitely You're swayed. You're more of a cynic now. I'm just, yeah, exactly. For me, it's just like, personally, it's like Bitcoin and the blockchain that doesn't exist just yet. Yeah. Um, it's kind of how I think of it, but um, I think that all these trials and tribulations and people learning is what's going to lead to that, right? Like you can't, you can't start from zero. Everything yeah. has to start with uh, iteration trials. As long as you know, mess up, messes up. I, I get, you know, there's bad actors, of course, but there's also the good actors, right? So maybe it's not their fault they got hacked or they got yeah. pretty confident in their it's system. Or they, yeah, it's not easy. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, uh, there's a when you're innovating, yeah, a lot of stuff can go wrong and it might not be your fault as long as you take the responsible steps, own up to it, you know. Uh, I just meant more so in the bad actors, but but I do agree. Like, there, there is a lot of great innovation. Um, we're gonna see a lot of ups and downs and, you know, it'll only get better. We're, we're talking about, you know, the next generation of the web. We're talking about Web3. We're talking about, you know, not just blockchain. Blockchain's awesome. It's not gonna solve everything though, because there's a lot of holes in a lot of different places, but we have these technologies that are kind of plugging those holes now. We have blockchains, we have great advancements in IoT. Um, AI is, you know, it could be a lot better, um, but it's uh, the data monopolies, like I said, but it, it's, you know, creating some great things in the space too. IO, you know, yeah. all those things together, coming together, IPFS, like we're creating this great new economy and it's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I feel like that's a good place uh, for us to end here. So if everybody could give uh, Derek a big and round Jonathan. of applause. Woo! Coming down here we, month after month. We do appreciate it. Happy to help out wherever we can. Thank you for listening to the TF Blockchain Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and also follow us on social media for announcements on upcoming conferences, events, recordings, and news. Please review and rank our podcast so we can continue to spread awareness of blockchain, Bitcoin, and crypto. Thanks again for listening. Keep learning, keep growing, and keep building.